With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 You heard it straight out of Vegas. RJ is here at his co-field in the Wise Guys chair. Brad Powers, we got college football this hour. NFL coming up very soon. And just when you think you can make all your predictions for that Final Four, the college football playoff, every Saturday screws it up. First of all, who thought you could make predictions like four weeks out? Here is the cautionary <laughs> what we tale. Do. It's what we do. Well, that's what bad talk radio does, not straight out of Vegas, We need baby. predictions every day, every week, well, RJ. Yeah, but the prediction should be there's going to be a lot of upsets. And actually, I heard Colin, and again, I... <laughs> I got to give him credit. Uh, a lot of sharp stuff coming out of his mouth these days. I, I'm going to take some credit. Six years of bashing him over the head with the wise guy disagreements. But he said something fascinating this week on the radio on The Herd. He said, you've got the big rivalry games. But there are really three weeks of upsets around those games. Mm-hmm. The week before when people are looking ahead, the games themselves. And if they do win, they'll let down the next week. So I don't think it's any coincidence. Obviously, some of the games get tougher later in the season because it's not out of conference. But I think the psychology around those big rivalry games is another big factor. One last thing. I still remember this. Rich Rodriguez, coach of WVU, 10 seasons ago, if I'm remembering right, were favored, Brad, you remember this, by 28 against Pitt. All they had to do was win and they would have been in the BCS final. Now, the reason it exacerbates me is the team they would have played, the Ohio State Buckeyes, 
Buckeyes ended up having to go to New Orleans to play LSU. Lost that game. Buckeyes would have been a big favorite against WVU. But somehow, as a 28-point dog, to, to, to stop your rival from going to the national title game, Pitt pulled the upset. It is a, uh, it's a hard road to hoe these last three or four weeks. It's difficult. But what I didn't expect, because I thought that Ohio State would have a tough time at Iowa. I thought that Penn State would have a tough time getting up for their game. But I didn't expect an outright loss by Penn State. And it was relatively close. And we'll get into the, the weather delay effects. But the Ohio State game against Iowa is the what the blank final of the day. And we got more than a few, but it's the most impactful as well. This one was nuts. I mean, think about the number. And people couldn't get enough of Ohio State. Went from, uh, what, 18, 19 yesterday. Actually, 21's out there today. And by the time the game ended, I mean, they weren't even competitive. Yeah, and actually started at 16 and a half earlier in the week. Major line move. All the money on Ohio State this week. Started on the first play of the game. Pick six for Iowa. They didn't look back, although I will say this. It was a competitive game there at the end of the second quarter. It was right, right around 17-17. Iowa scores a couple touchdowns. Then it really gets away from Ohio State in the second half. And what it really got away from is the quarterback, JT Barrett. His whole Heisman campaign resurgence lasted all but one week. Four interceptions for him. Hadn't thrown a, hadn't thrown a pick since the Oklahoma game back there the second week of September. Funny thing is, we're going to talk about the Heisman tonight. No one's going to win it, apparently. Like, I think we have a front runner again, but every week the front runner changes because a team flops or a player doesn't do that well. The other amazing number in this one, this hasn't happened often, what, five times since 1980? You're talking about a team that was getting 20 or 21 points that won outright, not only won outright, but by 30-plus points. Yeah, and that's a stat that I'll give the nod to R.J. Bell with that one. Uh, a huge outlier, uh, basically a 50-point cover for Iowa. Now, moving forward, immediately what's my reaction is? After team covers the spread by 50 points one week, I want to immediately fade them the next week. But we've seen with this particular season, that's not necessarily the case. You don't want to always overreact to what you, you just saw this previous week. Uh, moving forward for the Buckeyes, though, and I know we're going to get in this discussion is does it, this really puts the Big Ten in a bind because they're two front runners, yep. Penn State and Ohio State, both going down. The Big Ten now is down to one team. Uh, the Heisman discussion. So Barrett had jetted up to about nine to two. Saquon Barkley was still the favorite at minus one seventy five. We'll get to Barkley's performance today. Bryce Love was four to one. I mean, the doors open again for someone to just slam up towards favorite status. Yeah, and Saquon Barkley had another subpar day. He's had several subpar days. He's you know benefited from a couple of kickoff return touchdowns. You know, you look at Bryce Love coming back from injury. He has sixty yards. Stanford gets beat. They're out of the mix. JT Barrett's team loses. He has four interceptions. He's out of the mix. The biggest winner today, out of maybe any team or any player, is no question Baker Mayfield. Goes from eight to one in some spots to maybe being you know minus. In a day or two when when, when the new Heisman odds come out. The biggest thing to me to learn from these weeks, once the college football playoff numbers are out, don't fire hard on this notion. Well, they have to win, right? They need it, so they have to win. Yeah, that's not always the motivation that guarantees you a cover, and people couldn't get enough Penn State today. So that one moved all the way up to 10.5 from 9 they go on the road. They lose 27-24 against Michigan State. And before we even get into the pace of the game and what happened towards the end, 
We talked about a noon start. You know, who would that be more damaging for? Well, it didn't start at noon, and then you had this weird weather delay. So how did that affect the game? Yeah, well, Penn State came out fine early. They're up 14-7. Then we have not only just a weather delay, a very lengthy weather delay. How about three and a half hours? And really, after the weather delay, that Penn State offense, outside of one big play at the end of the third quarter, pretty much disappeared. So even though you look at the crowd that came back and returned to the game, it was less than 50%, and you think, well, there goes Michigan State's home field advantage with playing in front of a half-filled stadium and actually hurt more Penn State more than anything. Trend pays off, too. Michigan State coming into the game. The number was, what, 16-4 and four against the spread, last 20 underdog rolls with 13 outright upsets. Now, so, they just, so they just added to it. Yeah, 14. And shame on me for, for not playing on Michigan State year after year after year with this trend. And, and look, it's at the core of their entire football program. They play with a chip on their shoulder, especially against the big boys. We see it against Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. They've done it twice already again this season. They'll get another opportunity coming up here in the horseshoe. It, it, that's one trend, and look, we always put varying degrees. you got to understand how important the trend is. This one right here at 17-4, and four, and more importantly, 14 outright upsets, is one that continually moves forward year after year. I mean, you can really roll in Iowa, especially when they're playing at home. They're the same type of team that plays as a little guy with a chip on their shoulder against the big-name programs. They do, and let's break down Iowa. I still think Iowa is overrated even after the win over Ohio State. Really? They came, even they, though I pushed, I pushed it last night? For uh, Iowa took Penn State right to the freaking brink, and I know they got outgained in the game, and they shouldn't have won the game, but they had the lead. You still won't give them a little bit of credit? I'll give them in a little. Home, in these home spots. But, but they came into this game today getting outgained on the season. It wasn't just the Penn State game that was a little bit misleading. It was the Michigan State game, the North Texas game, the Wyoming game. Almost every single game, their final box, the final box score is not representative of the final score of the game for Iowa. So I love this one. We're calling this a faulty final. This is why you have to read the box scores or watch the game and really pay attention. So Wisconsin, the line shoots up to 13 and a half. They're taking on Indiana. Then it gets bet back down to 11. So everyone wants Indiana. That's the hot team. We had guys calling for outright upsets. 45-17. Let's tick up the Badgers, right? Big win. No, not necessarily. No, no. no. <laughs> if you were paying attention to that game, well, first off, they're down 10 nothing. And there's a ridiculous call that goes against Indiana that would have put Indiana even up more at that particular time. But let's flash forward to the fourth quarter where it's a nip and tuck game for the first three quarters. Wisconsin's up 24-17, three Indiana turnovers, three touchdowns for Wisconsin on only like 70 yards of total offense. Total misrepresentative of the final score of that one. That was a much closer final. Back up a second. Let's back up a second here. I would just, as a 20-point Underdog, <laughs> one by thirty <laughs> against the team. Where did you have them in their power rankings? The Ohio State University was number two in my power ratings, and they beat them by thirty-one. And they're not good. Well, I just said they're still overrated. Overrated relative to what? What's their ATS record? Well, this year? I'll, I'll be honest. What is their ATS record above five hundred? All right, so they're exceeding expectations set by the market more than half the time. Had one of the biggest wins ever. Right, I mean, yep. if if it's five times that an underdog like that dominates the game in almost forty years, it just feels like you're too comfortable. Is I think we got to double back and figure why are do you think they're overrated? Is, is it just because they seem to overperform on the scoreboard their stats? 
because there's a team Fezzik will be talking about the next hour in the NFL. The Patriots tend to do that. So at what point are we going to say? Because I've heard I was overrated now for three years, right? Not just from you. I'm yeah. saying Colin, the whole fake ID thing. I mean, <laughs> I was I was wondering if you're going to mention that. Well, he's I mean, been all over him. He's so been all over. That's him. the question: huh? is is there something about this team that that tends to overperform their stats in a systematic way, and thus we can't just fall back on look how bad their stats are? Well, I think number one, they don't have the explosiveness, the sexy you know type of offense that that can generate. So you tell me plays. why the public might not like him. If anything, that means they're underrated, the lack of sexiness. And maybe that's the case. But, again, I got to go with what I saw on a whole body of work. And, yeah, they get up for the big teams. But when you have So you four, think it's a lack of motivation in the other game? I think it is. They well, just, then, that, then that sounds interesting. Why don't we do a little thing for next week? All right, We'll give you a homework assignment. Look at the games uh, against top 25 opponents. That would be a good way to kind of make it objective. Iowa last three years against top 25 opponents. Iowa against non-top 25 opponents. Let's look at their ATS. Let's look at their stats. My, it sounds like maybe we just uncovered it. Is When they're hyper-motive, maybe in some of these games they can win easily. They, they don't play hard every play. They win but don't cover. But the games, the stakes are high. Maybe because they're underperforming in those other games. It's almost like the Tomlin effect. The Steelers, if you blend their stats... When they play their best, they're always better than their stats because they play so many downer games. And, you know, they lay so many eggs against the Bears, for example, against uh, this year, against the Jags. Those are all blended in to the Steelers' stats. When they decide to play hard against Kansas City, et cetera, look how good they look. Maybe I was that type of team. If we can uncover that, we might have something. Damn, I'm not sure who's in the wise guy's chair right now, RJ. I'm the wise guy in America. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll get an answer on Wisconsin moving into the top six in the college football playoff. Are the Badgers a real player? That's up next straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Rolling on straight out of Vegas. College football wrap coming live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. It's Cofield along with RJ Bell in the wise guy's chair. Well, he, he has his own chair, as he said. The other wise guy's chair. Is Do you know by. what emeritus means? Steve? Absolutely, yes. What does it mean? Yes, it's a lifetime honor. Um, <laughs> Actually, what it means is you used to be that, and now... You are going to be that in an honorary fashion, like a professor emeritus. So it's a lifetime honor. Sure. Uh, <laughs> right. Brad Powers in the wise guy chair, not emeritus. But I don't think they had any emeritus at Rutgers. There might have been a few. You know, <laughs> Paul Robeson. Uh, so let, let's talk. Tony Soprano. Let's talk. Yeah. Let's talk Big Ten. Uh, disaster today with the college football playoff. Uh, Penn State and Ohio State are really up against it. They don't really control their own destiny with regards to the playoff. Wisconsin, I think, does, but what does that mean? Because you're not high on them, even though they rolled today, at least on the scoreboard. Yeah, and here's the thing as far as Wisconsin. Oh, my gosh, that is unbelievable. Every time. <laughs> yeah, this, is like, the worst th- th- this is like a haunted mic. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> I mean, like we fixed it three times. All right, Brad, come back. You what know, an, if only if only nightmare. Scott if only Scott the engineer was here. To, to, <laughs> <laughs> but but since I'm doing the engineering, I mean, I, I, we really can't blame anyone, right, Steve? I think it's Brad. I think it's all Brad. You walked over to the mic and it worked out. Uh, so we're gonna get to all the results of the top teams. But in the Big Ten today, you had number six college football playoff team, Ohio State, lose. So now they're seven and two. Penn State. 
number seven college football playoff team, L, seven and two. Wisconsin was down at nine, nine and oh. They won, so... Where do they go from here? You just you're not buying it, huh? I'm not. And if there's anyone in America that should be wanting to buy Wisconsin, it should be me because I have that 80 to one national title ticket on the Wisconsin Badgers, and I want them to do well. I want them to get to the playoff. To you know, obviously, I could. There's hedging opportunities, but I, I got to go by the eye test from what I've seen from Wisconsin. Number one, they played a very very soft schedule so far. Number two, they've had a bunch of phony wins, including today. A game that was a, a seven-point game for most of it turned into a four-touchdown game. The problem is, Steve, I don't know when they get exposed. Maybe the Big Ten title game because they're almost a shoe in to get to that, that title game at this point. But then on the opposite side, are they going to be facing a two-loss Michigan State team, two-loss Ohio State team, two-loss Penn State team? Man, maybe at this point I was thinking they were going to be a touchdown underdog in that game. Now with the performances of Penn State and Ohio State, and they might only be maybe a field goal underdog in that game. So it's conceivable that they can make the playoff at 13-0 and be one of the most overrated teams in the country. I can't wait to hear what you have to say coming out of the Oklahoma-Oklahoma State game. What a, what a game. 62-52. The Sooners win. They do it again in a big spot. You've talked about, hey, when both are ranked in uh, you know an important game, Sooners are now 15-1 and on the right side. How do you judge this game with that much offense? I mean, you almost want to come out of it like, hey, they're very talented, they're dangerous, but, man, no defense at all. Yeah, and in that game today in Bedlam, 62 combined first downs, nearly 1,500 yards of offense. That looks all great. It was great for the viewer interest. But me looking forward and projecting who comes out of the Big 12 as a possible college football playoff contender, I don't see it because, to me, championship teams aren't allowing 700 yards of offense and being, to me, a legitimate college football you know, national title contender. And that's the issue, again, with Oklahoma. Maybe they have the best player in the country in Baker Mayfield, but that defense consistently, to me, is not championship level. And don't forget, they added one more layer that they have to get through. If they get to a championship game, they have to win an extra game now. And that's the thing I think that's going to In really a balanced hurt. conference. Yeah. With a defense that's shaky game to game. And look, it starts this weekend. They host TCU in a big game, obviously, for Oklahoma. TCU also still in the mix by their win over Texas today. But they're going to knock each other out. I mean, number one, one of those two schools is going to be out of it. And then the fact that the Big 12 title game, the year that they probably don't want one, they don't want Oklahoma to be, you know, that next maybe another loss that they could possibly lose. This is not the year for the Big 12 to have one, and yet here they are having a Big 12 title game. Let's talk faulty finals. Uh, Wake Forest and Notre Dame. Notre Dame wins, I say, only 48-37. They were laying 14, uh, you know, good on offense. But what happened here? Why is this faulty? Well, if you'd have told me before the game that Notre Dame would have a school record, 710 yards of offense, score 40 uh, eight points, I would be running to cash my ticket down at what I do each and every week down at the win at the World Openers. But what happened in the fourth quarter is something we haven't seen from Notre Dame's defense all year. This is a defense that hadn't allowed more than 20 points in any single game this season. They're already giving up 23 in the game. Last five, six minutes, they give up a couple long fourth-quarter touchdown drives. What happens in the final minute of the game? Wake Forest gets the backdoor cover. A surefire winner on Notre Dame turns into a loser Kind of an outlier performance from what we've seen Notre Dame defensively this year. So this is very complicated for you because you've said Notre Dame is underrated. You're not a Miami fan. Miami's on the way. So now what? Uh, well, we're going to tease ahead to that one. But well, I'll be- hold on. Let me ask a question yeah. here. Notre Dame 
are you going to upgrade them, downgrade them, or flat off this performance? I'm going to slightly downgrade them defensively, and that was my concern. I had not now seen watch. It. Did you watch the game? Yeah, I mean, rewatching you know play by play and didn't watch it live, but rewatching so play I get, by play. I guess the question is this. How much of the defensive performance felt like, because we were debating, is this a flat spot, right? So it strikes me as a handicapper, if we have a reason that something happens and we don't think that reason is repeatable, then you would downgrade them less, right? So let's say if you said, oh, the effort just wasn't there when they got up big in the game. Yeah, it lost you the ticket. Yeah, you, you know, that bet. Yeah, you put it down in your notebook and you say, you know, in these spots, maybe defense is where Notre Dame this season is going to slack off. But do you kind of give them a pass because you won't expect that in the games that really matter? And thus, in this game, if the defense was the deficiency for Notre Dame or the downgrade, what was the cause of it? Was it a reevaluation of how good the defense is or something about this specific game? Here's why I am going to downgrade it. Because Wake Forest came into that game without their two best offensive players. Just lost them last week. So, yeah, you can be a little bit flat when you got a team, your opponent's, already, you know, less talented than you are and losing their top two playmakers and you still give up nearly 600 yards, that's why it's still a downgrade for me, even if they weren't given an A effort. By the way, random question from the square chair, my chair, because this is the sports talk chair too. That's obvious, Steve. They, think about this. Notre Dame had a quarterback go in the second round. They upgraded? <laughs> yeah, they they upgraded. Who so, thought so- they were upgrading with Brandon Wimbush? But he, I mean, he's really... He's got some accuracy issues, but he is really good, especially on the ground. They have actually upgraded. Well, we know what you think of Kaiser in the NFL. They've actually upgraded a quarterback by losing a guy in the second round. Let's get something straight. Given facts, (laughs) I'm on by Joe Friday, baby. Just the facts. Here's the facts is Kaiser has, and you know, I haven't updated this week. So odds are pretty good. It's still the case. The worst season quarterback rating-wise. So there's a stack, quarterback rating. The worst season of any quarterback this century. So we can go through some of the nightmares, Jamarcus Russell, Joey Harrington, et cetera. But to me, you can't even bet the Browns with Kaiser. And the idea, and and correct me if I'm wrong, the Notre Dame coach Kelly was like, stay in school, stay stay in school. Um (laughs) I, you wonder, do you think he really, because I get it sometimes, right? Like in the NBA or something where you're going to get that first contract and it's guaranteed and all that. I get it. If you know you're a fugazi, as the Italians say, if you're fake, well, why not get drafted at your high point? Understand it's probably going to be, be a big old disappointment. You know, imagine like uh, Dark, uh, uh, Darko, right? That was his name, right? From the, the Pistons. If he knew he wasn't NBA level, you come out as soon as possible, sign that contract, and don't spend very much money. It's pretty amazing. It's pretty <laughs> amazing because I, I still have a feeling if Kaiser came back that he would have had the job, and that was off a four-win season. We well, maybe maybe, maybe imagine, we never see Wimbush. Imagine if you would have been. He loses his freaking job because he's stuck with the guy. But but think of it this way. And now way. he can win a national championship. Imagine if Kaiser came back, didn't decide to get drafted in the first round, and then he loses <laughs> his start, job. Yeah. <laughs> it could happen. It could happen. Uh, another faulty final. Boy, Florida State beats Syracuse 27-24, but this number was 8.5, and, and again, you're not walking away with good feelings about the Knolls. Yeah, they remain the only team not to cover a spread this season, the Florida State Seminoles. And yet again, they get pounded in the marketplace. They go from a four-point favorite up to an 8.5-point favorite and should have lost the game outright. This is a Syracuse team, dominated statistically, outgained Florida State by 150 yards, 
two missed field goals is all that prevented Syracuse from beating Florida State. Florida State still has their symbol, slim bowl hopes left, but this is a team I still am not seeing any buy sign whatsoever. So real quick, have they tied any games against the spread, Florida State? They have pushed two. And pu- do you bring okay. that up because I had a couple of top plays and I pushed them both? No, no, <laughs> okay. no. I, don't, I, I wish I had that you. kind of man. I wish I had. <laughs> no, it's, it's just the idea that every game, you know, we always talk about spread is expectation. The idea of falling short of expectation every game is is mind-blowing. But now we can say they've never exceeded expectation, Florida State only team. We go uh, rapid fire on the way back, including that LSU a gigantic number, plus 21 against Alabama with our single takeaways on the day in college football. But up next, with the latest on USC and Arizona, here's Steve DeSager. Yeah, it's a top 25 matchup at the L.A. Coliseum. Khalil Tate, Arizona's star running quarterback, has been shut down until just scoring on a 32-yard run. So the SC lead is 28-13 over Arizona, four and a half minutes to go in the third quarter. Tonight on FS1 at number 12, Washington, the Huskies beat Oregon 38-3. Oregon just 31 yards passing tonight. Dante Pettis of Washington with an NCAA record ninth punt return TD. And earlier today, a top 25 matchup at Washington State. Cougars beat Stanford 24-21. Heisman candidate running back of Stanford, Bryce Love, did have a 52-yard touchdown run, but otherwise had 15 carries, 17 yards. With True Car, you can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for, new or used. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. At UFC 217 in New York, George St. Pierre wins late in the third round, taking the middleweight title from Michael Bisping. Earlier in college football, wins for number one Georgia, number two Alabama, and number three Notre Dame. Fourth-ranked Clemson held on for a 38-31 win at NC State. Fifth-ranked Oklahoma wins 62-52 at Oklahoma State. Heisman candidate Baker Mayfield, 598 yards passing, six total touchdowns, two interceptions. Iowa ripped number six Ohio State, 55-24 in a game that was tied late in the first half. Michigan State kicked a field goal on the final play to beat number seven Penn State, 27-20. 24. Michigan State's at Ohio State next Saturday. TCU ranked 8th, defeated Texas 24-7. Ninth-ranked Wisconsin is 9-0 without playing against a single ranked team. Today it was 45-17. The Badgers won at Indiana. And number 10, Miami will be hosting Notre Dame next Saturday night. Still undefeated are the Hurricanes after whipping Virginia Tech tonight, 28-10. Back to you. All right, Steve. You know, I wonder, Steve listens to the show he knows Fezzik has been talking about how bad Miami is. You think that was like a shot at Fezzik? <laughs> what, what, be honest. Steve, no, be honest. No, it was not. It, oh, it is a, a matchup of undefeated, though, next weekend, yes. So Fezzik's up in about 15 with his three biggest takeaways for the day in college football. And he'll be eating some crow? Just a little bit. See, that's the thing. The listeners, when they hear us busting so hard on a guy that made him a, that was wrong— they know it doesn't happen all that often, right? Why would If we had to do it right. all the time, it wouldn't work. That's RJ Bell. I'm Steve Cofield on the Wise Guys Chair. It's Brad Powers. So uh, Steve DeSager just mentioned Alabama wins, top-ranked team. 24-10, though, against LSU, and the number was 21. Yeah, I don't do much as far as the upgrade-downgrade for either team in this spot. I thought the, the number was a little bit inflated, but just the way the game was going to play out, I expected exactly what I saw. A lower-scoring game like we normally see between these two teams. And LSU, I think that actually the buy sign might be officially on for them moving forward. This is now four straight good games after the Troy upset loss. They hung in there with Alabama. 
I, I think, you know, coming from this game, even though they covered, easily covered by, you know, at least a touchdown, we're never in doubt as far as not covering. It's about what I perceived it to happen as far as the game playing out. We're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Man, there were some favorites that got money on top of money, and Clemson was the same case. It went all the way up to 10 today from 7.5. They're taking on a tough NC State team. Damn, it was close down the stretch. NC State couldn't pull off the upset. What happened in the game? Yeah, all that money, once again, wrong. I mean, the early number of Clemson favored by seven obviously was the more accurate one. They win the game by seven. Clemson got steamed up to even 10 in some spots. If you fouled the game, NC State clearly the right side. They out first down Clemson. They, in fact, allow a punt return touchdown, miss a couple of field goals, have a couple interceptions, and yet at the end of the game, they're driving for the tying score. I'm going to slightly downgrade Clemson after that performance and slightly upgrade NC State. And maybe... Uh, you know, a, a by you know an outlier factor of this, Man, that kind of makes Notre Dame look good, who just dominated NC State the week before. Which I think is something we have to stress the entire season. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how late in the season it gets. A team's only playing before the bowl game, before, let's say, conference championships. What, 13 games, Max? Yep. All right. Do most teams play 13 or most play 12? Most play 12. Okay. So 12 games. And with a typical good team, because we're not talking too much about the teams that aren't at least good, right? major conference, et cetera, they're playing eight, really comp- nine really competitive games, or let's just say even competitive games, not, not say really competitive, just competitive. So if you only have nine games, you got to make each one count when you assess how good a team is. And let me tell you, Notre Dame made a brilliant move by hooking up with the ACC and playing kind of a half ACC schedule because now you can do comparative scores. So if they kick the crap out of ACC, you mean for Notre Dame to have the a good perception for the college football committee that there, but that they have something comparable where they're playing the lion's share of their games. Now it's not, it's not hodgepodge with, you know, two teams from every conference. They're playing four or five games against a conference. Let me give you an analogy. All right. Let's say there's a movie director. I love Paul Thomas Anderson. He did Boogie Nights, which is a very popular one. To me, he did the greatest movie of the century, which was There Will Be Blood. If you like great movies and you haven't seen There Will Be Blood, it's one of, to me, the greatest movie of the century. He's only done six, seven, eight movies. If you want to assess how good Paul Thomas Anderson is, you got to watch every frame. They're teaching classes about the way he moved this camera on this, you know, this one movie, The Master or whatever. But imagine someone like David Chase, the originator, the creator of The Sopranos. Now, I consider him a genius also. I think The Sopranos is one of the greatest shows of all time. A lot of people agree with that. But there's six seasons. Let's say there's 70 episodes of The Sopranos. So assuming that's a two-hour movie, a movie's two hours, it's like 35 movies. You don't have to look. You can kind of glance at, not glance, but watch the shows once and get a pretty good feel of how great David Chase is. With Paul Thomas Anderson, you got to look closer. College football, NFL even, is like Paul Thomas Anderson. You've got to look at every game closely because you don't have enough other information to know how good a team is. And what's my point? Reevaluating what wins mean. We were talking about Iowa, and Fezzik made a good note. We thought when they uh, didn't play great, it seemed, against Iowa State, it was like, oh, look how bad Iowa is. But now we're reevaluating how good Iowa State is. And I am a power ratings guy, and I can tell you this. Every two or three weeks, I go back to the start of the season and regrade 
each and every single game for every team. Now, because of the information you have now about yeah. how good they truly were, and at the time you didn't have all that information to know and assess. Yeah, a lot of times one or two point downgrades end up being you know net evens or even you know flip to being an upgrade. Hey, that wasn't a bad performance. That was actually a good performance. Uh, on to the SEC and the top-rated team, at least in the college football playoff. We had a good discussion on this game yesterday. Georgia taking on South Carolina. South Carolina getting 24, 24 and a half. Uh, they wind up losing 24 to 10, but it appears they were the right side, right? Yeah, I mean, Georgia clearly the better team. RG's going to say, well, yeah, duh, they, they were favored by 23 and a half, 24 points. But I thought... So hold on, if you know yeah. I'm going to contradict you on something, why even say it? I just want to throw it out there. <laughs> I, I He's disarming to, you. Yeah. <laughs> and you still came back at him. <laughs> but South Carolina, clearly the right side of the game as far as against the spread. And it played out almost exactly like I thought. Georgia was a little bit of flat early. It was a tie ball game. There there were some jitters there. It was their number one first time and really only the second time since 1982 that they were playing as the number one team in the country. You know, as far as the upgrade downgrade, even though South Carolina covered by double digits, game pretty much played out how I perceived it. So it's a net neutral for me. So, Steve, let me get something straight. Did you happen to have a pick in this game? If I get a win, I, I will do the Because I'll here's the, the thing. I'll, I'll, he I'm all fired up to talk about it for like 10 he minutes. He announces the whole game, you know, leads into it, doesn't say anything about the pick. And then when you say the score, he starts pumping his fist. He knows I'm going to ask him why he's pumping his fist, and then he gets to say, oh, yeah, 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 I did have a winner. Very humble. Well, why not just say you had a winner? I, I actually, uh, you know what, uh, and I didn't put this in the handicap yesterday that Georgia would have jitters. <laughs> let, me, let me, in hindsight, make my handicap well, retroactively seem even more on I, point. I said they wouldn't be up for the game. These two coaches are friends, and I used your number. That South Carolina has played great as a dog this year. This is now, what, 6-0? and 6-0 and against the spread. Yeah, so uh, looking forward on this one now. George is going to take on Auburn. Before we get to what the line might be, what happened with Auburn and Texas A&M today? Because it depended on when you got the number. If you got it early, you got a winner. It closed at 15. It was 42-27. Auburn beats Texas A&M. Yeah, one of the bigger line movers of the week. Auburn goes from a 10-point favorite very early in the week to a 15-point favorite. Some shops closed around 14 and a half. Why am I breaking down all these numbers? Because they won the game by 15. So I mean, the point being, every half point matters in this industry. How did the game play out? Auburn struggled early, got a punt return touchdown late uh, first half, dominated the second half, pretty much indicative of the 15-point score of how the game played out. And quickly, if we if someone came to me and said, I'll pay you a million dollars, let's do a month boot camp, I follow you around, and I want you to teach me everything you know, I'd probably say make it a million five, but let's assume, <laughs> let's assume I agreed that person, I'm going to teach you know a couple hundred things. They're going to talk to Fezzik. They're going to talk to Brad. They're going to talk to other pregame pros, other bookmakers we know, et cetera. Okay. So some bookmakers we wouldn't let them talk to, right? That would probably be a net negative. So here's the thing. At the end of all that, if they wanted to execute on it, let's say they were brilliant. They picked it all up. They knew more than me at the end. It would still be a full-time job. It would be a long haul to execute the way that a pro better does. Most listeners, and we have 330 Fox stations broadcasting us right now, coast to coast, Sirius 83. There's many listeners. Most aren't professional betters. They don't want to be professional betters if it takes the work that it takes, right? If they could just snap their fingers, they would be. But so why am I saying all this? Because what Brad said about shopping for a number, we don't know if you're in Nevada. We don't know where you're playing. We're not judging that. But if you are playing any money that matters to you, the simplest way to w help your win percentage improve it is to have three outs. If you have three places to play, 
the effort it takes to have that is probably bigger than a huge amount of other things you could do that would take a lot more effort because if you're able to lay four instead of four and a half, well, that in the long run, it really, you can't win. I mean, let me be this unequivocal. If you only have one out, I don't care if it's Fezzik, you can't win. Now, if you're a recreational batter and you're okay saying, hey, I'm going to lose a little bit, no big deal, and hey, I might have some, you know, get lucky and win, that's fine. But if you're trying to win and you only have one out, you're doing something or attempting to do something that's impossible. Up next, we'll take a look at what that line could be for the giant game with the uh, Bulldogs on the road at Auburn. That's on the way straight out of Vegas on Fox Sports Radio. Vegas! Rolling on straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Steve Cofield along with RJ Bell in the wise guy's chair. It's Brad Powers. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com. In 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Steve, I told you, do not email the producer with song requests without me checking off on it. I threw a uh, three for a loop on that one. Uh, last couple of points on the college football day. I mean, we could do this for hours and hours. Today was crazy uh, college football playoff, uh, you know, big-time impact. Georgia's the top team. Now it's go time. They're going to take on Auburn. So I, this is one of my favorite things that you guys, the experts, can do is nail a line prediction because, you know, the, the casual fan is like, I, I, you know, I don't know. You know. Georgia, I guess, as a number one team, should be minus six. So what's what's the line going to be? Yeah, and I want to mention this because I post all my power ratings each and every week, one through 130 to the hundredth of a decimal point. We're going to have to change that next year. All right. <laughs> the decimal points. But if there's one team that I've been getting some you know, feedback and maybe you know th- that they're too high in my power ratings, it's Auburn in my top 10. Well, I think I'm going to be proven correct this week when that line comes out, the number one team in the college football playoff poll, Georgia, travels to Auburn, and the game is around Pickham, in my opinion. And I wouldn't be even a bit surprised Auburn's minus one. So, RJ, you got on the guys about, especially Brad, about Iowa. Uh, we've heard a lot about Miami and that Miami is overrated. So, and, first, just to be clear, yeah. I was trying to help them. I wasn't getting on them. I'm, I'm tutoring. You were pushing back a little bit. Yeah. Let's get some clarity tough, on this. Sometimes it's tough love, Steve. You know that. Tough love is needed. <laughs> is it needed here with Miami? Because Miami went out against Virginia Tech and not, not only won, but that was an impressive performance and maybe resets the mind now in the college football playoff race with the Canes. Let's, 28-10 win. Yeah, let's not jump to conclusions. Maybe Brad and then Fezzik's going to have some brilliant answer why they were right all along. Brad, you've been preaching Miami. Not as hard as Fezzik, but you've been preaching Miami overrated. Over, what did you see today? Uh, maybe they're not as overrated <laughs> as what I thought. But here, here's... I'm still sticking to my guns here because I think I'm going to be vindicated next week when Notre Dame comes to town. And I think tonight was more that I – the overrated team in that game is Virginia Tech. That's a team that I probably was propping up on a pedestal too much. Oh, no, no, that's interesting because let's just say UFC is a good example of this. Steve used to be uh, – you were what, boxing and UFC for Yahoo, right? Yes. Okay. So an expert is there'll be a guy – and this is another good example where there's not a lot of fights, right? So, you know, someone's coming in from another, out of the UFC from another organization. They've had a couple of fights, but maybe there's one or two of those that were really competitive and they won. Okay, good. Now they come in and win that first one in the UFC. Everyone's going to say, oh, the skepticism was wrong. He really is a real deal. <laughs> but the question is, how good was just that one person? So if Virginia Tech is hugely overrated and you're going to have to make the case. 
then maybe this doesn't mean as much as we thought. So make the case why they are. Well, Virginia Tech, a team that hadn't played anyone just like Miami, the reason I was buying Virginia Tech is that they played a similar schedule, but they killed those teams that Miami was struggling with. So that's why I was putting them kind of up on a pedestal. Reality is we've seen two major games with Virginia Tech, blown out at home against Clemson now and now beaten considerably on the road against Miami. Here's my question. What was the closing number of Virginia Tech-Miami today? Two. Miami favored. Market was on Miami yet again. Miami favored by two. If this game were played next week, rematch, what's the line? Same locale. Miami four. So this, as much as we're reevaluating here, the net reevaluation is only two points. Yes. Let's get Fezzik in for his three big takeaways, and he's actually got a bonus takeaway. And we're going to be leading with this Miami. Let me guess. Yeah. Did he put Miami on his uh, big takeaways? Like, you know, I was wrong in all caps? It's odd. There's not a fifth takeaway that mentions you, Miami. You know, it's interesting, Fez. So when you, let, let's start with that. Were you considering <laughs> putting Miami on for like a mea culpa? No. I think Miami's <laughs> It one- was on your takeaway list every week the last three weeks. You know, and what happened is too many people are listening to me. Let's look at the big picture. Too many people are listening. <laughs> okay. Hey, all stations east of the Mississippi, please go to alternative programming because Fezzik doesn't want to be held accountable. What are you talking about? Look at this opening number. <laughs> Miami is actually plus two against Virginia Tech on the opener. We talk so much about how overvalued they are that the odds makers corrected and made them an underdog oh. here. So Fezzik is saying, well, wait a minute. I'm confused. I think, didn't the line move in Miami's favor? Four points. Okay, so if anything, the mar- the whole country, because listen, when you're on Fox Sports Radio, the whole country hears you one way or the other. The whole country heard Fezzik preaching for weeks how bad Miami is, so they decided to bet the heck out of Miami today. The odds makers <laughs> decided to set a number that was so ridiculous well, that it would now, incite I'll, I'll Miami decide, What would have your opening number have been? I would have. I expected Miami to be coming minus three. We talked about Brad and I when we did the video. And how much game. did Miami win by today? Eighteen. So what does it have to do with any of this? Well, they didn't. Co- <laughs> they didn't cover against North Carolina by a comparable amount. They didn't cover against Syracuse by a huge amount. So they're so. So all joking aside, because mm-hmm. and I really want you to embrace this. What did you get wrong? Virginia Tech was terrible today. Miami played a solid game. They really dominated. How much? How much are you upgrading Miami? I would upgrade Miami three and a half points. So this was a it, this is a total reevaluation. Have to. They played such a good game. Uh, Lacey, listen. Lacey admitted it finally. He did. He did. Uh, one of your quick takeaways: Baker Mayfield now way in front in the Heisman. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think he should be a, a significant favorite versus the field. We'll talk about Bama being way ahead of the field up next. Straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas. It is our NFL hour, although we have some cleaning up to do. Cofield, R.J. Bell, this hour in the wise guy's chair is Fezzik. So we've come to grips with Miami. We're good to go on this now, the Miami Hurricanes. Fezzik did his, I was wrong. Miami isn't so overrated. We'll see, but not so overrated. But I will tell you, this is why I love Fezzik, like I've never loved another man because he gives great advice. And he also, well, how about, I know. How about your freshman year at Rutgers, Dave? It's a good you point. were lonely. There, there's some stories. You were lonely. There's some stories. Uh, but this guy, <laughs> when when people are firing hard on the other side, Fezzik has steely nerves and he's like, no, 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 no. Stick with dogs, especially when in college football, we saw it. Ohio State got bet heavily up to 21. Notre Dame went up to uh, 16 and a half. Penn State went to 
10. So what's the best advice for the average player out there? Well, the public loves the dominant teams. The odds makers are not stupid, and they put high spreads because they want the public to have to pay a lot. The public doesn't care. They actually bet these teams that look great. Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Penn State. These teams are awesome. Well, the public thinks that they're never going to have a down game. They're always going to play at that same level. And because of that, the spreads go even higher on these games. Great opportunity to go against the public. Yeah, here's some advice I would give. And anyone that's struggling that maybe is like, hey, I, you know, I want to do something different. Check this out. Take the six top-ranked teams in the college football playoff rankings. All right, comes out on Tuesday. We also, and this is really cool, we'll put out the Vegas top 10 right around showtime, and I do that on Twitter. His Twitter handle is at RJ in Vegas. And thank you, Stephen A. And it's something where it's interesting to compare the Vegas numbers, obviously, to the committee's numbers. There's often big differences. But take those top six and say, the only bets I'm considering this week are their opponents, the opponents of the big six. Now, don't bet them all blindly. You probably would do okay. But then handicap from there. Say, which amongst these is the best? And if you pick one or two or three of those, I think your chances to win the rest of the... I mean, Steve, let me ask you this. Over, under, if we were going to bet, I say that approach but blind. Top six, their opponents... I want to play it blind, and if I say 52.4% over under, what do you take the rest of the year? I say over. I think 54.3%, especially at post after these lines get inflated. Let's think about what happened. But think about what Fezzik's saying, is if all you did was blindly, and and not that we say a fifth grader should bet, but if a fifth grader could do it, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we're not going to say that explicitly, but if a fifth grader, now I did start betting when I was 14, but that, that, do not do this at home, kids, that kind of thing, right, is... If, if Fezzik is saying that it's a winning proposition if you do it blind, doesn't mean it's guaranteed to win, but its expectation is to win, then it means it's a, there's a lot of logic behind it. And think about the results here. Back in September, if you told me Georgia's going to beat South Carolina by 14, LSU's going to lose to Alabama by 14, and we'd be talking about, oh, South Carolina played great. LSU the, the, played- the, 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 that the dog's covered, it shows how inflated it is. One last thing, and Fezzik said it, but I want to really reiterate it. The old school... Wise guy approach was you bet favorites early in the week and dogs late. Now, in a lot of ways, that isn't as clean as it used to be. But when it comes to these really popular teams that the public is going to be betting the heck of come game day, then if you told me, hey, RJ, I either want to bet at 6 a.m. Saturday or 10 minutes before the game kicks off, unequivocally, if you're playing the dog in the long run, not necessarily in any individual game, long run, you're going to get a better number playing 10 minutes before the game starts. We're coming in live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Let's get to the NFL. We like to cover the four big TV games coming out. Uh, 425 start. A lot of news around this game. Kansas City now getting two and a half against the Cowboys. Zeke Elliott's the big story. And the line changed significantly once the announcement was made that he is playing. All right, Fess, question one on this one. Little editorial note here. I did with um, Adam Carolla. I do his podcast every Wednesday. Have the Cowboys here uh, plus one, right? So early in the week, I thought there was real value on the boys. Elliott comes back. 
Now, I think Elliott's worth between a half a point and a point. The debate in Vegas is always a half a point or a point. Let's say a point to keep it simple for a moment. Okay. The line moved, it seems, as Steve in the square chair mentioned, a little more than a point. Well, actually from about what? Minus one to two and a half. So let's call it a point and a half. I would make the case that because the line value of one and two is so small. Now, what is that? What do I mean by line value? How valuable the number is? How often does a team win by one and two? Not near as often as three or seven or ten. That really, this is a point move, but it's more. It looks like a point and a half because these are cheap half points. Very unlikely that they're going to win by one or two. I agree. It's about a one point move. So, so you even. But here's the thing: it did go from Dallas plus one to minus one before the announcement. Could the case be made? The announcement that Zeke was going to play. Could the case, you know, I was on actually with uh, <laughs> Broussard and Willard today. I do their segment every at one thirty Pacific, 4.30 right here on Fox every Saturday. And I said Zach Elliott once. So I, I <laughs> hopefully I only do that once a month <laughs> or so. But with Zeke, do you think maybe news that he was going to be reinstated started coming out and the line started drifting because of that? And that's maybe we can say the move is more than one. I don't think so. I think that money was going to come on Dak and company regardless of whether Elliott played or not. Did you say Zach? Oh, Dak. Okay. It's <laughs> Zeke and Dak. I got it. I got it. Dak Elliott. <laughs> and because of that, I think even without Elliott, the Cowboys were going to go off as like a one or one and a half point favorite. So you're saying I was super sharp when I bet it at plus one. Locking in plus one yeah. with the right thought, side regardless? Absolutely. I thought so. So where are we on this game? Because I noticed uh, you mentioned that on the Kansas City side, you thought last week was a phony win? Oh, absolutely. Really? Yeah. The I thought they were in control that whole game. Because of the turnovers. Okay. Now, let's face the wise guys. Let's explain. The wise guys think turnovers are largely random. Now, you can make the case that when Simeon is your quarterback and he's injured, maybe it's not so random on the Denver side that he's giving the ball away. But still, the beneficiary is Kansas City. Now, Kansas City does take care of the ball typically. But if you look at their overall stats, they have the stats of a 500 team. They have the defense of a bottom five team in the NFL. And that is and not the, good. And the weakness of Kansas City is against the run. I'm not a big fan of Zach. I mean, Zeke, <laughs> Zeke, Zeke and Dak. I know it's hard. But uh, when I say not a big fan, meaning I don't, I think people overvalue him. But I would make the case, Fez, and tell me if you agree that against Kansas City, he's going to be especially valuable. Oh, absolutely, because he's going to keep the Kansas City offense, which is awesome, off the field, long ball control drives. And let's face it, Dallas should have beaten Green Bay. At worst, it was a 50-50 game. And if they can win that game, why can't they beat Kansas City, right? You know something? I am such an advocate, Mr. Cofield, about listening to former athletes that are super articulate and understanding they don't understand Vegas, but we can take their information and use it. And on the herd this week, we don't have the sound on it, so I'll do a recap is Stink, right, former... Mark Schlereth. Yes, former Bronco, was saying something I never heard. I mean, all these years, I've been, I'm 47, so I've been betting 33 years. And what he said was this, and I've always agreed with the first part. When there's a big injury, the first game that they're out, or absence, right, usually it's an injury, but in this case, suspension. That first game, 
everyone steps up. Like imagine at the office, okay, that COO that usually runs everything, she or he is out this week. Well, everyone kind of gets, you know, if you care about the company, you put a little extra time in the night before, you show up early, the company's ready to go. Now, if that COO was out for a year, you're going to slack back to where you normally are, right? So what ends up happening a lot, there's a big absence. The team gets way up initially, Everyone overreacts to the absence because it's new in the betting market. So it's a perfect storm to play on the team with the absence because you've got that team playing hard. They're more focused. And then the public, though, is thinking the other way. Then for a game or maybe two, they overperform. And then the public says, oh, that guy wasn't all that important anyway. So the the value starts dropping. And the other team starts to say, man, we can do it. We don't have to go to practice early today. And then, boom, you go the other way. So if someone told me someone's going to be out four weeks, a key player, like a Rodgers, I would say blindly, if you were going to have to blind it, is bet on Week one, bet on week two, bet against week three, bet against week four. And I think if you did that every time, you'd be around 52%. Now, obviously, that's not a winning, but I think that's the way you lean in these games. you agree with that, Fed? I agree strongly. The same psychology if you fire a coach, bet on them the first game or two, and then they go back to the same that level that they were at. Yeah, and, and there's a sense of excitement and everything. that Hey, the new boss is in. You know, that's another phenomenon. Now, one last thing. This is what Sting taught me. I knew all that before, but he taught me two things. One, that all NFL teams, if as you need to hear this, because you get this wrong, I think, sometimes. All NFL, and I'm being sincere, all NFL teams play their hardest on game day. Like, you cannot be on that field against those monsters and be, even be 5% down or you're going to get, or at least you're going to be scared to get hurt. Where the uh, motivational questions come in is the weak of preparation. Are they putting the extra film in? Are they getting that long massage to be extra loose for the game? You know, whatever they're doing to prepare, that if there's a motivational disadvantage or deficit, it shows up in prep, not on the field. Now, it looks like it's showing up on the field, but it's not effort, but rather it's the lack of prep. Now, here's what Stink said. The Cowboys have the best of both worlds. Because they prepped all week like he wasn't going to be there. Now, like they said, Patino, Larry Bird's not going to walk through the door. Well, here comes Zeke walking through the door. (laughs) And now they're super prepped and they're emotionally up because he's there. I think it's a great spot for the Cowboys. I agree. And I think it's an absolute play to take Dallas. Probably goes up to three tomorrow, too. Next big TV game will hit us on Fox. We'll hit it on the way back. Big line shift in the Falcons and the Panthers. We'll give you all the details right here on Straight Out of Vegas on Fox Sports Radio. Straight Out of Vegas! Straight Out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Steve Cofield with R.J. Bell. This hour, Wise Guy Chair is filled by Fezzik. I tell you, this is one of my favorite moments or hours of the year. And it's not just because we're on Fox Sports Radio, 330 stations, coast to coast, from Maine to Tijuana, I think, is I love when the clocks turn back. Now, I don't love it because it gets dark in Vegas so early. And one thing I think some people realize others don't, you know, you can be east to west in a certain time zone, right? Where I grew up in Ohio, right around Pittsburgh, right an hour from Pittsburgh, we were extremely west in the eastern time zone. So the clock actually, you know, it would be 920 in the summers when your kids, like it's 910 and the sun's just setting. 
here in Vegas, even at the, what is it, the Equinox or whatever, at the high point, it's like 840. It's like literally like a 40-minute difference, which makes sense because that's why the time zones exist, right? Well, I hate the fact the clock goes back and it gets like dark here at 440 or whatever now, right? It's not even 5 o'clock. But here's what I love about it is back where I grew up in Ohio, the bars used to shut down at 2. It was a 2 o'clock last call. You had to be out by 220, all right? Now, once a year, though, think about the psychology on this. <laughs> the, it hits 2 o'clock. It goes to 1. All right, now, and you have an extra hour of drinking. Now, I wasn't a big drinker, but I was on the scene, right? You know, and you know, when I came home on the weekends in college or on whatever. On the scene. Yeah, on the scene. <laughs> in the town with 4,000 people with no stoplight. <laughs> okay, but here's what's fascinating. These hardcore drinkers, they had their pace, like four beers by 11, six by. So if you give them an extra hour drinking, it's like they don't know what to do with it, right? Except drink more, and it's like over the top. I swear to God, one time I came in about 2.10 into the bar on this night, and it was the second 2 o'clock, let's call it, right? So, And I walk in, there was about 40 people in this bar, and 20 people were dancing on the bar top, I swear to God. And you think, you know, there's downsides and upsides to turning the clock back, but if there was a last call, I think it's an upside. Was it bad that I texted someone about an early morning show that I do, and I was like, yeah, an extra hour of sleep or an extra hour of drinking time? <laughs> well, Steve, you're still on the scene. I mean, you're str- no, well, I mean, you're struggling to find your place in the world, and I get it. <laughs> the- I get it. You found it, buddy. You're in the square chair. I am in the square chair. Uh, Falcons and the Panthers going at it on Fox. This one's moved a lot by the number. Was it a bad number initially? Why are the Falcons now favored by two and a half? Faz, I think this one's simple. I think this is the wise guy's wise guy play, right? It's all about net yards per play. Atlanta's record's not good, but they're number one in the league net yards per play. And I think that that and fading Cam, especially without Benjamin, who was his best buddy from all accounts. So I think the absence on the field and actually the absence of his buddy for a temperamental quarterback, I, I think it's about those two factors. Anything else? Spot on agree, but now that it's gone to two, Carolina's defense is awesome, RJ. They have not given up a touchdown in eight quarters. If it gets to three, I'm going to bet Carolina. Interesting. And again, it's the old adage, recreational batters, squares, they bet teams, pros like Fezzik, they bet numbers. I, there is not an NFL team I wouldn't bet tomorrow at the right number. What a rough game to handicap. Point us in the right direction. Sunday night football, Raiders are three at Miami. I'm so confused on both of these teams. So, And, you know, we talk about this all the time, too, which is there's two reasons not to bet a game. One, you think the line is correct. Number two is you don't know what the correct line should be. This is when I agree with you, Cofield, is I don't know what the line should be. What I do know, Fez, is it's shocking. You have a team above 500 that's a three-point home underdog against a team below 500, and it's not just an underdog. Imagine if this game were in Oakland. If you do the six-point flip, and if you flip home fields, give six points to the team that's gaining home field, the Raiders would be a nine-point favorite at three and five with their record over an above 500 team. Why are the Dolphins so overrated? I think it's the number well, they're not overrated by Vegas, overrated by, let's say, the media or people in general. The number one reason is 
an extreme number of close wins. The Dolphins have won something like 12 straight one-score games. I've never seen that disparity. They should win about half those games. Imagine what we would think of the Dolphins if they had won six less games since, let's say, the middle of or the early part of last season. We, they would have made the playoffs and all the optimism around that. We would be thinking, well, pretty much what we think here in Vegas because of this spread. Now, maybe just teams from Miami, like the Miami Hurricanes and the Dolphins, are inherently lucky, but we both know that that can't be the case. Uh, I do think this is my what-the-heck game, RJ. At the end of the year, I could see a scenario easily where the Raiders go 6-10 and 10 and the Dolphins go 8-8. Eight and eight. We look back on this game and say, why were the Dolphins catching three at home? But would we say that, or would we say – so if you just went by your power ratings, forget everything else, but the intrinsic quality of these teams is what should the line in this game be? On a neutral site, Oakland should only be laying two by my power ratings. Now, Miami has a small home field advantage. Maybe it should be – So is this off of that Thursday night? It just, they just look so bad? Yeah, but that's good that they look so bad. They've got 10 days to stew. So you're saying we got a lean situation here. I like Miami. I like Miami. 10 days off of a 40 to nothing loss, they'll bring it. Hey, one last thing. Mike Lombardi, the ringer, was talking about this. The Raiders stayed back east, right? They played in Buffalo. A lot of times that's a good sign. If you have a disciplined team, Harbaugh used to do that with the 49ers. It's like a second training camp. But from what I hear... With Del Rio, a little disruption in the locker room. And where are they staying, though? They should have stayed somewhere else. They went to South Florida. So now you have an undisciplined team that spent a week in South Florida. I agree with Fez. I would lean, I would probably lean Dolphins. They went to Bradenton, and I kept hearing luxury resort, which worried me a little bit. Sounds fun, but probably not at second training yeah, camp. Not when you're try- yeah, exactly. Not when you're trying to hit the reset button for the second half of the season. Washington and the Seahawks go at it in Seattle. Seattle's feeling good about themselves. They got a win last week, and they added a key piece and a position they need on the offensive We're line. going to be talking about this a bunch. What is the psychology of some of these moves? I do, And, and just back it up real quick. The Dolphins lost their best running back in a trade or trade him away. I agree. There's a lot of talk. Oh, his knee's a little banged up. Who knows if it's a good trade or not. But I think for sure there has to be a little psychological downside for the Dolphins losing him. Can I throw something in here? Reading a Miami columnist on this, he slaughtered Jay Ajayi, saying that he was a total cancer and his Ah. attitude was crap. I said that on the Dream Preview. Even even when they were winning, he would come in after the game and he's like, where are my carries? Ah. So if anything, this might be addition by subtraction. No doubt. Adam Gase came in uh, after the 40-0 game and he's like, we are not studying. That was the guy he was talking about. That Jay Ajayi was going rogue Ah. on runs and not blocking. Good stuff from the host. Host, Faz, what do you think? You never can tell. I'm not in the so, locker room. Yeah. But why would you get rid of a guy that was so good last year if there wasn't a key well, uh, behavioral problem? Sometimes it's about you're not going to resign him, right? And, and, and their contract's up. Uh, so let's talk about the Skins game in Seattle. I think, I think Seattle getting that left tackle is good psychologically because obviously O-line's been Seattle's biggest problem. I can't, though, lay over a touchdown against a Skins team. It's pretty good. But I can't bet the Skins either. Why? Because of offensive line cluster injuries. The O-line, especially cluster injuries, is not accounted for by the betting market as much as it should be. If you just told if, – if, if I had an injury expert and he said – here is the most beat-up line of the week. If that's all I got from him was a little – let's say I had to meet him in an alley – and he slipped me a piece of paper while we, while we walked by each other like we didn't know each other. And all it had was a team name. And that team name was the most injured offensive line in his assessment. 
I think if you play against that team blindly, you are a favorite to win money. I think a small favorite in a season. You agree with that, Fess? I agree strongly. We already saw that with the Giants. We saw that with the Bengals. How many teams with bad O-lines just cannot win games, cannot cover? And, and the distinction is, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but I want to stress this. Everybody knows if Brady's out, it's a big negative, and the line adjusts. Our point is, not only is it a big factor in the O-line, the market doesn't fully adjust for that factor. Unless you have a completely elite quarterback like Aaron Rodgers who can just zip the ball out in one second, there's no receivers left on Washington for Cousins to be able to do that Different anymore. quarterbacks need O-lines more. That's a great point. I think Cousins at least is average, if not needs him more, wouldn't you say? I think he's above average, but he's got no one I mean, left I'm to saying throw the ball to. If we're trying to grade him on how much he needs a good O-line, he's at least average. I mean, an O-line. Slightly above average. So what's the lean like on this now that it's seven? I'm, I'm giving – I allow myself one pass even on radio a week. I'm passing this baby. I lean to Seattle, and if you like teasers – Teasing Seattle down to a minus one or minus one and a half, getting an extra six points makes a lot of sense. You lean or like Seattle? I lean to Seattle okay. at seven and a half, like them at minus seven. Okay. Let's go rapid fire on the uh, public pounder. 81% of the tickets on the Saints. This one is now seven. The Buccaneers at the Saints, and they are getting seven. I reevaluated here. Back to Mike Lombardi. And again, I love these GMs that share now. Lombardi said, listen, everyone's talking about how good the Saints defense is. He goes, yeah, they're improved, but he goes, they're still below average. And he said, this is a, you know, all-win game for Tampa. And to me, it's down to six and a half last time I saw it. So I'm not betting Tampa. But I actually was thinking about the Saints. But with Lombardi really saying matchup-wise and motivationally, he really likes Tampa here. Uh, I'm not going to play that blindly. But I don't want to go against such a strong. And, and that's the thing, too, guys. When you have an expert Again, me, Fezzik, whomever, or a non-gambler that's given opinions on a game that you respect, doesn't mean you have to always follow it. But when their logic makes sense, that's when you, to you, that's when you follow it. Lombardi made a lot of sense saying Bucks are, are at least the lean here. And most of the pros are betting the Bucks here at plus seven down to six and a half. I'm square here. I got to tell you, I like the Saints. The reason being is that they've got the number so one. So you like them. You're betting this, baby. I, I bet them, yeah. And, and my What six number and a half, did you like? All right. Lay six and a half. And I like them because their strength of schedule. They played the number one strength of schedule in the NFL. And I also feel that their home field advantage is undervalued because they're having such a good year. Now, why does strength of schedule matter? Because most people are not going to account for it. So whatever a team's record is, if they have a tough strength of schedule, they're probably a little better than they seem. And if it's an easy strength of schedule, they're probably a little worse than they seem. Are the Rams for real? They're laying over a field goal against the Giants. But before we break that down, let's go to Ralph Irvin for the latest on USC and Arizona. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen. And it was a great game. Uh, Arizona had come back to tie it at 35 all. But then they stopped playing defense, and Khalil Tate forgot that he's a running quarterback and not a passing one. Southern Cal now running down the clock. It's 49-35 for the number 17 Trojans. Just over two minutes to play in Los Angeles. One final in late tonight on the FBS scoreboard. Fresno State 20-13 over BYU. Number one, Georgia. Easy over South Carolina, 24-10. Alabama over LSU. Same score, 24-10. Notre Dame outscored Wake Forest, 48-37. The big upset of the day, Iowa 55-24 over number six, Ohio State. Number 24, Penn State shocked number seven, or number 24, Michigan State. 
shock number seven Penn State 27-24 West Virginia 20-16 over number 15 Iowa State and number 25 Washington State upset number 21 Stanford 24-21 George St. Pierre Return to the octagon after a four-year layoff. He beat Michael Bisping on a third-round rear naked choke. That captures the middleweight title at UFC 217 with True Car. You can find out what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. New or used, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Again, number 17, Southern Cal, 49-35 over number 22, Arizona. Back to you guys with Rapid Fire. Quickly becoming my favorite coach. You know this. It was actually before the season. The boy wonder, Sean McVay. His Rams are at the Giants. Now they're they're they've gone from, you know, gritty, gutty, hey, what can they do this year to expectations of winning on the road. I tell you this, Goff, if you look at his performance the last, let's say, four games, I mean, you're being optimistic saying he's an average quarterback. The Rams are running the ball. They're playing some defense. I think you're right, McVay. I mean, just from a distance, if I, if I, as a Steeler fan, if I could trade McVay for Tomlin, I'd trade in a second. And this is after a half a season. And again, I guess as a fan, when I put my fan hat on, you know, you're going to be a little more emotional. Um, but I, I think it, here's what I'm going to say, and this is why sports betting is so complex. I hate road favorites when it's a team that's not used to being a road favorite. But when you add in that it's before a buy, I think it mitigates a huge chunk of the concern because what is the problem with road favorites? They're clearly the better team because they're favored on the road. They tend to look ahead. But you're not going to look ahead when you have two weeks to prepare. So I would lean, 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 lean slightly towards the Rams. By the way, Colin Cowherd had the Rams, and you can check out our – Blazing Five prediction podcast. Me and Colin do it. Released every Saturday morning. I tweeted out at RJ in Vegas and Colin and the herd also do. This is my. And uh, Steve. It, it, oh, that. Oh, again. Wow. That's unbelievable. <laughs> try, t- try to talk again. See what happens. I'm here. Hey, there it is. Yeah. What was wrong? This is my power rating pounder, RJ. I <laughs> have these two teams eight and a half points apart on a neutral site. So, so explain that. You just look at your power ratings. You're not considering anything else, at least initially. And you're saying if this were on a neutral, Rams would be favored by? Eight and a half. So adjust it three points? Only two because the Giants don't have a good home field advantage. Okay, so six and a half. Okay. So I make this game six and a half. And we, frankly, we've seen this all year long. When the Giants play without their wide receivers, and they're all, at most they're going to have one, Shepard, it's not even clear that he's going to be able to play effectively. They can't score. They couldn't score against Dallas. They got three points. They got ten points against the Detroit Lions. Seven points against Seattle. Hey, Goff may not be as good as he was early in the year. But the Rams are still going to get 23 points. I don't see how the Giants are going to get past 17. Yeah, you know, I, I that makes me even move to liking it, right? Because I don't think it's any indictment that teams aren't relying on a quarterback. I think it's important, though, that the narrative that, oh, this is about golf, that we define that maybe it isn't, but it's still a good team. We got a crazy line change in the Colts at the Texans game. 13 and a half during the week. Now it's plus seven. We know why. Now we can get into the value of Deshaun Watson, who sadly goes down with a torn ACL in practice. I'll be honest with you. I don't get emotional about NFL players. I mean, like, I would say even with the Steelers, I think Big Ben, I might have a little residual, I won't call it love. I'll call it affection. A little affection for (laughs) He was lonely. A little affection for But 
to me, but you know what's funny though? That prior generation of Steelers, like Ike Taylor. Um, I mean, I can think about so many of these Steelers, like even Harrison. I certainly have. Listen, Harrison's got a, as they say these days, a complicated history, right? But as a football player, I mean, I think Harrison might be a true last of his breed. I mean, this guy. And to me, maybe it's just me getting a little older, right? Every generation of players, you're getting a little older. As, you know, the old line in Matthew McConaughey in Days and Confused, right, is I keep getting older and the <laughs> high school girls stay the same age. Well, it's the same thing in the NFL is, you know, I'm getting further and further away from the age of these players in my, you know, we'll call it mid-40s. And, I mean, the fact of the matter is I, I don't get emotional and to me, I felt my heart sink a little bit with Watson. I, I, I know a lot of Houston people. I do a lot of media down there. They were so excited about this guy. And objectively, I think this stat is amazing. The line moved between six and seven points upon his injury. That makes Deshaun Watson one of the 10 most valuable players in the NFL. This is a guy two months ago who the coach chose not to play in a game, start in week one, and now one of the 10 most valuable players in the NFL, and he was picked in the teens? He was picked in the teens? I mean, what a pick. Now, hopefully, it seems like this injury isn't severe. He should come back 100%, but to me, it was a big downer. Fez, in the game itself, I want to get your leaner like, I do think we got to account for the psychology this first game. We always talk about dream crushers. I think it's not only Watson's absence, but it's the psychology of a team that was feeling like, even without a great record, they were as good as anyone in the NFL. Yeah, the psychology is it is a dream crusher completely. Let's think about this Houston team. The defense has been shredded by injuries. J.J. Watt, merciless. Cushing goes out early in the year. But it's okay because Watson is an absolute stud. So good is he and so mobile, we can trade our left tackle. Well, now we don't have Brown to protect our quarterback anymore, and we've got a statue Tom Savage. Let's get something straight. Has Brown played any snaps this year? Yeah. He did. How many games? Uh, Two games. Okay. All right. And and remember, Tom Savage, the last time I saw him behind center, he was getting sacked 10 times. Can't move at all against Jacksonville. That's interesting. I will say this. I think Savage actually, if he stays healthy, can be... You know, not a horrible quarterback. I think he can be maybe 25, but his, he's never been able to stay on the field. So I, I don't know if you worry about it on any individual game, but if you could bet me, will Savage finish the year without missing a start? So let's just say that if we said we're going to pick a quarterback out of a hat, so a random NFL quarterback, will he miss any of the next eight starts due to injury? What do you put the odds on that he would miss the start? I, I, my odds would be about 50-50. I think it would be he'd make it through eight games seventy percent of the time. All right, so you would say making it through is like minus uh, over two hundred, minus two twenty, unless he's Carson Palmer. That'd right. be minus so would you give me plus? Would you give me plus one eighty if I tell you I'm willing to bet the Savage is going to miss a start? Because I'm saying I'm, I'll take a cheaper price. Only because I, I would make it even money or worse if Savage gets through the rest of the season. I'll have to think about. It. I'm really not sure. All right. Maybe next week we'll talk about it. You know, I like he might, except he might not even finish this game. I do like the under in this game now at 46 RJ, just because it goes back to what you're saying. The defense is going to give their A plus effort knowing Savage. Yeah, I'm there. skeptical of that. And here's why, lastly, in this game is the D backs for Houston are way overrated. They've had such a great rush. It, it looks like the D-backs are better. Now with J.J. Watt out and the lack of rush, I really believe that the Houston D-backs are going to get exposed. And they've been exposed. It's just Watson has helped 
obscure it with his great performances. By the way, not vital to the handicap, but Dwayne Brown came back during the bye week, played one game. Okay. Cincinnati and Jacksonville. Are you on board with the Jags? This number is six. I see a six and a half out there. The Bengals are getting almost a touchdown on the road. I know you don't like this. Faz, this is starting to worry me because when lines get that out of whack from what I think they should be, I start wondering if I'm missing something. Let me give you my very simple handicap, and you can help me understand if I'm missing anything. Pittsburgh, a couple weeks ago, hosted Cincinnati. This is a new approach I'm using called comparables, comps. Right For guys like you, Faz, you live in one of the nicest parts of Vegas. Let's just be honest about it. Your house, when you went to buy your house, it was like, okay, the house down the street's $1.3 million. This house is $1.4. We've got the pool. They don't. And boom, you come up with a general price. The Steelers were lane four. They even got down to three and a half. Let's call it four against Cincinnati a couple weeks ago at home. Now Jacksonville is laying six, six and a half. So I get Jacksonville beat Pittsburgh, but by all accounts, any professional batter, Steelers are significant favorites on a neutral over Jacksonville today. But how is it that Cincinnati's getting so many more points against an inferior team? It doesn't make any sense. If you like the Bengals, why would you bet them plus four at Pittsburgh? Bet them plus six and a half at Jacksonville, a team that... Now, obviously, you wouldn't know at the time, but, you know, you're saying in hindsight. And remember, Jacksonville... So is there any... Listen, you got... Listen, when you're sitting here, your phone's going off like crazy. You've been in Vegas for what? Almost 20 years, right? Yes. You are as connected as anyone. You would... I mean, you get sniffs of, hey, this is why everyone's betting this. Do you have any sense? People are looking at the power ratings and they're saying Jacksonville's three and a half points better and they're giving them three for home field at six and a half. But that's a leap of faith. Jacksonville's been a terrible. Where do you have the power ratings being? I have three and a half for the power ratings, but I only give Jacksonville two for home field. That makes it five and a half. And Jacksonville's a terrible favorite against the spread. Historically, they've done, done horrible in this role. What role? In, in Home favorite. All right. Gets a Ravens and Titans on the way back. Uh, what does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. Also on the way, best bet from Fezzik. It'll be in that uh, Broncos game. We'll uh, break down all of it right here, straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Straight out of Vegas, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com, call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. You know, Steve, I used to have a local Vegas show here for years, and this last segment would always be best bets down the home stretch, baby. Best bets on the way. But first, a very interesting game, the Ravens and the Titans. It's another one of those confusing games because uh, I don't think either team has played up to their potential. Second half, who knows? Ravens, three and a half. They're the dog in this one at the Titans. I think this is a very simple handicap. I'm going to keep it tight. I actually like Tennessee here. Some people I respect don't. Here's why. Buy for Mariota. Why is that important? Because his legs were less than 100%. He is a mobile quarterback. That means so much. And the flip side is Flacco off a concussion. I know he's past protocol, but who's to say if he's going to be 96% versus 100? And I think first time ever off a concussion, Flacco never struck me as the most agile of mind. We'll see. Now, I'm a Steeler fan, so who knows? <laughs> so we'll see in that regard. Other thing is Baltimore wants to run because even when Flacco's healthy, he's been pretty bad this year if you look at QBR and such and the Tennessee defense is very good against a run so that helps Tennessee Tennessee wants to run and the Ravens D against a run number 30 in the NFL so I think it's X's and O's points Tennessee health points Tennessee 
So I like Tennessee. Let's hit on Monday Night Football. The Lions are favored. Yes, the Lions are favored at Green Bay. Well, we know the situation. Uh, They've got a new quarterback because Rodgers is down. Brett Hundley is the guy. It's time to prove his worth. Tony Baselli, who does analysis work for, analysis work for uh, Westwood One, talked about the Packers and how they're going to have to do a complete change in terms of the way they run the offense with Hundley. I think they have some real issues. They're going to have to change the mentality of how they play football. And that's going to be lean on the defense, try to run the ball, be a physical team, grind it out, and not ask your quarterback to do a lot, which is completely opposite of where they've been. And I agree with them there in the following way is I think that it's almost like daddy will do it, right? Think back when you were a kid and you were trying to, let's say, change your bike chain or something, your Schwinn. And it's like, oh, I can't get it. Oh, dad walks by. You know, if you're lucky enough to have a good dad, he's walking by. And my dad would probably be a little surly at me and say, don't tell me to do that. But, you know, typical dads would have said, hey, let me <laughs> let me help with the chain. Right. So but then what happens? The kid doesn't learn to do on his own. I think in a way the Packers have gotten a little lackadaisical because they can lean on daddy Rogers in this case. But now. They've gotten beat. Hunley hasn't played well. And I think the bye helps this change of mindset. And actually, we've talked about the dream preview in which me, Fezzik, and the biggest bookmaker in Vegas, Maddie Holt, do about 90 minutes a week breaking down the NFL. You can get that on my Twitter, at RJ in Vegas. His best bet of the week is on this Monday night game. I'm going to go with the Green Bay Packers in this spot, despite the fact that Aaron Rodgers is out. I really like the fact that Brett Hundley has had an extra week to prepare for this. On top of that, rest and preparation. Green Bay is 24-1, and last 25 versus Detroit Lions at home. They absolutely own the Lions here at Lambeau Field, and now they're catching points in a scenario where they've won 24 out of 25. Hundley will be better prepared. Detroit's offensive line woes are as bad as any team in the NFL. In fact, their entire starting five offensive line was on the injured list last week. Hunley with the extra prep, I'm taking Green Bay at home. And I tell you this, imagine a New Yorker cartoon where a guy's sitting back drinking boat drinks. He's got a relaxed look on his face. And the caption says something like 24 and one straight up and I'm getting points. So to me, that's why my, it's not that simple. But it's a smile. It makes you smile thinking about it. My best bet also on the pack this week, getting points. Time for Fezzik's best bet. We got Denver three and four. Eagles are soaring at seven and one. Denver's getting seven and a half. And remember, when Fezzik bets it, it means he made a big. When he gives you a best bet, it means there's many thousands of dollars on the game. What are you doing? Wise guy don't carry his money in a wallet. Hey, wise guy carries money in a roll. Love Denver plus seven and a half. Believe it or not, if you just looked at these two teams in the stats, they are actually equal. Yards per play differential. That's the metric the wise guys love. They're both about plus 0.3 yards per play better than their opponents. Well, why is Denver having such a bad year? It's all about turnover differential. They're minus 11, whereas the Eagles are plus five. That's not completely random because of the quarterback play. Simeon is injured. He keeps turning the ball over. The team is so discouraged by his bad quarterback play. Osweiler, the ostrich, to the rescue. Coming in, I expect a motivated 
team that's going to take care of the ball and pound the rock. And that's the paradox. Osweiler, one of the worst quarterbacks in the league last year, but he is an upgrade over an injured Simeon. One last point about Denver. What do they do well? They rush the edges exceptionally well. Where's Philly got a problem? Left tackle Peters out. I love Denver also. Last game, 20 seconds. San Francisco, Arizona. Zona on the road lane, two and a half. I'm personally going to mentally block this game out. You stop. No, I'm serious. No, I, no, no, no I, uptick with the I, Niners. At least good feelings I, about Jimmy G eventually. I, I do think even though he's not going to be on the field, it's a small uptick. Jonas Knox is on the way. You can hear more of this great information every week on the Dream Preview. Awesome. At RJ in Vegas. I'll be tweeting it out here in a couple hours. And the Colin Pod is up. Colin Pod is up. And uh, he's been winning like crazy. Stick around. Fox Sports Radio. More on the way. Right out of Vegas! At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.